Thanks. You're Thanks, here. Pastor Gary. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? We're testing a new mic here. Yeah, I hear it good now. Yeah, it's good to see you. What a great turnout today. Isn't it good to be together in worship? You know, for so many months, uh, we were at home and folks asked me, how are the churches doing, you know, in the Georgia district, Nazarene churches? And I said, well, they're, they're really hanging in there, but that people really miss being together from March, you know, mid-March, late March until like... Uh, Well, it was like uh, April, May, June. It was really June, and Julie and I began to travel and worship with some of our churches. There's about 85 to 90 churches of the Nazarene in Georgia. So they're scattered from north to south, everywhere in between, and almost all of them went to live stream for those three months. And now most of them are regathered, and they are sometimes uh, gathered on Sunday mornings only, and sometimes they're not able to do the classes they've normally done, but they've really been faithful. And, uh, you know, the song we were singing today... Hallelujah, God above it all. I'll just tell you that little phrase that we sang, Pastor Ryan, when we, when we sang Hallelujah, God above it all, that just, today, that was my phrase. When, when you led us in that, I said, yes, God above it all, right? That's what we celebrate today. God is above all things. He's above our, our own trials. He's above COVID. He's above tension in our cities. God, God is above it all, and we glorify Him today. So thanks for that song. Appreciate Pastor Gary and Christy so much. Uh, Gary serves faithfully here, and Christy serves our district as our NY prep. Thank you for that. Been a weird year without camps and all that, but uh, trying to have a fall retreat in a very different way soon, like small groups and very safely. So pray for that because uh, that's coming right up. So I appreciate you, Christy. And Pastor Ryan and Josh and Patty and all the ministers here, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. My favorite thing to do in this role, and it's a new role for me still after two years, my favorite thing to do for Julie and I both is to be with you. It's to be with people, it's to hang out, it's to worship and to preach. And so thanks, Pastor Gary. I'm not here for any, what I call church business or meetings. or any, I'm just here to worship and preach. And man, it just uh, didn't get any better than that. So it's really good to see you. I'm going to be in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk today. And that's kind of hard to find. We'll have some of the, some of the uh, scriptures on the screen as well. But if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, And you'll think, man, I don't know about that. Who is Habakkuk and and how do I follow along there? But we're going to talk a little bit about about how do you praise God in the difficult times? How do you praise God in the storms? How do you sing in the rain? I this this year has been unusual for tropical storms, right? We've gone through the whole alphabet and even beyond. And what was this last one that caused some damage? Ada? Is that how you said? Ada? Ada? How do you pronounce it? Somebody help me. Ada. Yeah, and it knocked down trees and, and messed up a lot of things. But we, uh, we were seeing some, uh, some rain earlier this week, pretty heavy in different places. I traveled down early in the week to Tifton, Georgia, and it, it was soaking a lot. And I was preparing to preach, and I was thinking about uh, that old phrase, singing in the rain. Now, I am not old enough to have watched a lot of Gene Kelly stuff. But do, you, do any of you go back and, 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 and see those old clips? That guy was awesome, man. You watch those old clips, and they've made some of the black and white things color now, and he'll dance around and sing in the rain, and I watch that, and I think, I wish I could do that. Not just, I mean, I wish I could do what Gene Kelly does. Like, I can't, I can't dance. It's a bad thing. You don't, want to, you don't even want to see it attempted. Uh, I can't sing very well, and I see him do that, and I go, man, that would be really nice to be able to have that talent and do that. 
You ever, you ever wonder and see somebody do something that they do so well, whatever it is, maybe they cook well, maybe they, maybe they speak well, maybe, they, maybe they're able to build things, and you go, man, I just wish I could do it like that. But the gap from where I am and where that is, where that excellence is, I'm just so far away. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but, but sometimes you think, I'm just, I just can't do that. Well, thinking about singing in the rain and thinking about Gene Kelly dancing and singing and how good he was got me to thinking about Habakkuk's message, who truly is a, a story of a prophet teaching the people of God, the people of Israel, this is how we praise God in the hard times. This is how we praise God in the storm. And we don't know a lot about Habakkuk's personal life, very, very little about his personal life. But we do know that his name means burden or wrestle, to wrestle with something. And Habakkuk is going to show us, as we walk through this text today in Scripture, how do we get from where we are in these difficult times and days, hard times that we all go through, how do we get from here to have an attitude and a faith like Habakkuk does, who despite all the hard times, he shows us what it's like to praise God and say, it is well with my soul, hallelujah, God above it all. Habakkuk shows us that. So what we're going to do in the Word, and I hope that you've come just to say, teach me, O God, from the Word, because Kyle can't really do anything eternal for you at all. Right? All I do today is say, God, help me to speak something of you that would point your people into a place where you can do something spiritual and eternal in them that I could never do. It's the mystery of of preaching and teaching. And today I have the privilege of doing it. Would you pray with me before we read the Scriptures? Father... I I praise you today for the privilege of connecting again with these great people at Gainesville First. Thank you for people who turn out on a Sunday morning during a a strange year of 2020 and say, God, we're seeking you. God, we want to worship you. God, we want to grow in you. And Father, I've already painted this picture of where we're going today, that we're looking at Habakkuk and saying, God, I'm not always there. I'm not always praising you in the storm. I'm not always glorifying you in the hard days. But I want to I grow. I want to become more like you. So Father, today, as we unpack this, would you help me to speak your words? I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody together says, Amen. If you're able to, would you stand for a moment as we read Scripture from Habakkuk, Old Testament, chapter 1 is a good place to start. Well, actually, now let me do this. I'll mess up the folks on the screen back there because I skip around a lot. Uh, chapter 3 will show you that this is, this is the epitome of Habakkuk. This is like when we say, what, is, what are the famous verses of Habakkuk? What do we know him for? Habakkuk three seventeen through 19, this is why we say Habakkuk was the Gene Kelly of the prophets, right? Why he's singing in the rain, why he's praising God in the storm. Because Habakkuk three seventeen says, he says, Though the fig tree does not bud, have you heard this scripture? Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. That's pretty desperate. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. You can be seated. I want to go back uh, now and go back to chapter 1. So go ahead and just turn back two chapters. How did Habakkuk get to that place of chapter 3? What are some clues that teach us how to get from the place where we are and say, make up this gap in me? Because I don't know about you, but I tend to gripe a little bit when things don't go my way. 
I, I tend to complain at times. I tend to, you know, I, fortunately, you have people to vent to that you trust, but, but uh, poor Julie. <laughs> you, know, you know, I can have the shiny happy face on Sunday morning, right? But the folks close to you know that. How do we move from being known more as a confessor? This isn't in the notes, by, by the way. How do we know being a confessor when I say confessor, I mean honest, but I also mean confession of faith. How do we become known as a confessor of the faith, an honest confessor of, in this place, I confess that he is Lord, instead of being a complainer? So that's not in your notes, but I want to be a confessor of the faith that my profession, that I, that I believe in Christ no matter what, that God is above it all, that I'm confessing I need him, Instead of people saying, man, that guy's in a bad place. You know what? He's just hard to be around. <laughs> I want to be known as a confessor instead of a complainer. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about Habakkuk. He shows us in chapter 1 some of these steps that he takes. And this is what we're going to walk through. Chapter 1, verse 1. Follow along. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Here's what Habakkuk wrote. How long, Lord, must I call for help that you do not listen? This isn't a pretty verse, by the way. Or cry out to you, violence! Let's paraphrase. It stinks, Lord, look out there. This is horrible. That's what Habakkuk's saying. But you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? He's saying, I see it all around me, Lord. Every day, people taking advantage of other people. People acting unjustly. And I'm tired of it. Destruction, violence are before me. There's strife, conflict abounds. Therefore the law, the word of God, the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. That's one of those, aren't you glad you came to church today, right? It's, it's bad out there. What Habakkuk shows us here is it's okay to ask the hard questions. How do we get to be becoming uh, more like a person like Habakkuk who sings in the rain? First, we've got to say it's okay to ask the hard questions to God. It's okay. It's okay to grapple. It's okay to wrestle, right? It's okay to say, why, Lord? Why is my health failing? I didn't expect this. This is not what I planned for. Why did my job shift and change? This is not what I planned why, oh Lord, do I have to watch good people suffer? It's okay to ask the hard questions. I traveled uh, a couple years ago to Lakeland, Florida uh, to visit a church down there and be a part of, of, of a, something down there. And um, One of the things they took us on was a tour of, of uh, this college, the Southeastern University. I think it's affiliated with the Church of God. It's there in Lakeland and you have to tour, but one of the weird things that stuck with me on this campus tour, it's a nice little campus, but they had this new building, and it was a little sports arena, and I thought, what is this about? And uh, it was built specifically for wrestling. Like, they were so proud of it, and it was just completed, and you went in there, it was really nice, and, and they, this whole gym was like a wrestling center, and they'd invested probably, you know, a million or more dollars in a wrestling center. And I thought, that's very interesting. Most people just transform an existing, like, gym or place. But they made, like, a state-of-the-art wrestling arena. And you're like, that's pretty crazy. And they began to talk about it. And they said, well, what we found out was there are a lot of people around here, like in high schools and the places that wrestle. 
but there aren't hardly any college programs that have wrestling programs around here. They all go far away. Hmm. And then they said, you know what? We have found out that if we created this place for people to wrestle, that, that, that more people would, would come and be a part of our university. So I listened to that, and that made sense to me through admissions and marketing and all that, right? But I started thinking about it related to churches. And you're probably already there with me. I started to think, you know, that makes a whole lot of sense. There's a whole lot of people around us every day, right, that are wrestling. They're asking why. I don't understand. And, and, and they're looking for a place. Where, is there a place where I can honestly, like, go? And Are there other wrestlers? <laughs> are making sense? We're not talking about physical wrestling, obviously. We're talking about grappling with the hard questions. And in and, and this... And this practical example taught me that not only are there people who are looking for a place to ask the hard questions and wrestle, but I do believe that grappling or wrestling creates growth. That there's really no growth without, without grappling with the hard stuff. So Habakkuk shows us that it's okay to wrestle. The, the word that goes around a lot today is called lament, L-A-M-E-N-T. You hear people talking about that a lot more in 2020 than you did before that. But it's been around biblically for centuries and centuries, right? That, that a massive percentage of the Psalms in the Bible, 150 Psalms, and some people have said 40% are strictly lament. And that more than 40% contain lament. What does that mean? Cry out to God. Be honest with God. David and other psalmists say, God, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm being crushed here and I need you desperately. So it's okay to ask the hard questions. How do we get from this place where we are now to, to be joyful? First, we've got to be honest with God. We've got to be willing to ask the hard questions to wrestle. Um, let me give you an example before I move forward of churches. The church where I served before I took this role in Georgia was in South Carolina. Midland Valley is the name of the church. It's near Augusta. One story I'll tell you is I got an email when one day uh, from a guy named Anthony and it began to talk about his grand, his grandchild dying, um, little baby that they were raising, trying to help their, their, their daughter and uh, the whole situation was tough and so they were raising their grandchild, Beth is her name and uh, she wasn't at our daycare when this happened, she was home but uh, they, they, they didn't hear her one morning. They went in and, and Beth had passed away. The little baby had passed away in their home. They had made arrangements to, to have her in our nursery at the church. And so I found out in a staff meeting from Pastor David Winchester, who was over our school and daycare, and he was just in tears. He's like, a little baby passed away, and they're dealing with it in the daycare, and I, I'm going to take something over to them. And, but through that, Tony, Anthony, Tony, who, who's the granddad who didn't have a church, I got this long email about, I don't understand. <laughs> How can God do these things? Would you ever be willing to, to, I have questions. All I know is within a week or less, we were sitting in my office on a Wednesday night. Have you ever been in one of those places where people ask questions that you have absolutely no answer for? You're sitting there and you're just, they're telling you about the grief and I, you know, we're trying to do a good thing and this little baby's never done anything wrong and I don't understand and he had a lot of questions from his upbringing and his past, he grew up and so, you know, I'm, I'm just in tears listening to him but, but uh, I think I remember saying to him, I, 
I can't tell you why. I don't, I don't understand why. But I can look at the cross of Jesus Christ and I can say, I know, I believe, that my God entered into a broken, messed up world and took on every bit of pain and shame and every question and said, I love you and I will feel this. And I believe that he not only took it, God not only took it on himself and Jesus on the cross, all the pain, all the questions, but that he demonstrated that ultimately through waiting and through waiting at the right time that there is hope, that there is resurrection on the other side. At some point, I said, Tony... I can't tell you why, but you just have to make a decision. You're just going to have to choose, do I believe this story of God or not? I love you. I'll be your friend. Tony got involved in church, men's ministry, found out that he was a great guitar player, grew up playing banjo and guitar, and uh, ex-Navy guy, and uh, great softball player. The guy's like, you know, at this time, like 55 years old, he's traveled as senior softball. So I got him into softball, got him into playing and he ends up being actively in church, coaching our softball team, teaching other guys about God and hard things in life. And, and uh, he's moved to California, Gary. Uh, that, that was sad that he moved up for, for his job. But he's, he's leading worship at a little Nazarene church. And, uh, and you know, I, I just think if Tony didn't have a place to wrestle, he, he'd never be sharing the hope of Jesus. And uh, I'm just so grateful. So um, let me move on. Um, The next scripture I want to read to you is from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. Just one verse. Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. I will stand at my watch, he writes, station myself on the ramparts and look to see what he will say to me. I'm going to watch. I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen. And what answer I'm to give to this complaint. What are some of the typical responses when something happens in life that we don't like? I told you I tend to complain. Maybe attack others. Maybe develop a victim mentality. Why do bad things always happen to me? Maybe angry. Maybe sometimes people quit. But Habakkuk shows us a different and better approach. He didn't conform to the normal patterns and responses of the world, but he decides to be different. He decides, I'm not going to fall into these traps. I'm going to be different. Habakkuk says, I will, and I put in the words, I will means choose. I will, he chose, I will choose to stop. In the middle of all this mess, I will choose to stop and look and listen for what God wants to show or what he has to say to me in this storm. Amen? This is the hard decision. Instead of falling into the trap of complaining, instead of falling into the trap that, I, that I, maybe a pattern, a bad pattern I've fallen into before, a bad place. Instead, no, I'm making a decision. I'm choosing to stop. I'm going to go to a place where I can listen to what God might say and what he might have to say to me in the middle of this mess. I, um, our oldest son is, is now 23. Our youngest just turned 21. Um, Julie and I have told the story for years when Jackson was a little guy. And uh, um, it's embarrassing to admit. It's kind of like, you know, you know the old song, Cats in the Cradle? <laughs> 
So, so I won't get into like any kind of sad story or anything like that. But uh, it's, uh, I remember when he was little, little guy, and he was playing with Legos or something, and I was working on a sermon or something for the church. And he was like, Daddy, play Legos with me. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I can't right now, but I will a little bit later. I'm working on something. And a little bit later, Daddy, play Legos with me. Hey, not right now. I can't, but I'll, I will, you know, tomorrow. I got to work on this. And it was like three or four times, and he was trying to get my attention. And, and then I remember him being a little toddler, and he said, <laughs> and Jackson always used big words. He said, but Daddy, I may not be available tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, he was a little guy. I may not be available tomorrow. And so for years, Julie and I have told that story. It's like, ouch. You know, that's right, right? Now is the time to listen. Nobody knows what the next day or the next week holds. Listen to your kids. Listen to your spouse. Listen to, listen to God. Well, I don't have time today to sit and pray. I don't have time to worship. I don't have time to... <laughs> Are you available? <laughs> you know, I'm available now, God. That's what Habakkuk's doing. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. So choose to watch and listen. What will it take for God to get your attention? In the Old Testament, it took a Babylonian invasion. I hope it doesn't take a Babylonian invasion for God to get our attention. For Jonah, what did it take for Jonah? Remember the story, maybe, in the Bible of Jonah? Well, he sent a storm, and he <laughs> sent a huge fish, and he sent a worm, and he sent... I mean, there's like four or five things. And, and the whole story of Jonah, in my opinion, is God trying to get this man's attention. I want you to go to the people of Nineveh and tell them a message. I don't want to go, God. It's bad. He goes the other way. What will God do to get our attention? For Jonah, he did all kinds of crazy stuff. What will he do to get our attention? Or maybe Samuel in the Old Testament. When God's call came one time, two times, three times. And he didn't hear the voice of the Lord until, until Eli, his mentor, who cared about Samuel, said, I think God's trying to tell you something. Next time God tries to tell you something, Samuel, say this. Speak, Lord. You know the rest? For your servant is listening. Don't miss it. God's trying to get your attention. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Even Jesus in the New Testament, they were amazed one time when he was sitting in the temple as a young man, and it said Jesus himself was, was listening and asking questions. I think that's one of the most fascinating verses of Scripture. Jesus, right? God in flesh. Doesn't he know it all? What's he doing? Taking on humanity. Jesus sitting at the temple. And it says in Luke chapter 2, there he was listening and asking questions. How important is it to stop and listen and learn? No listening, no learning. Let's, let's, let's move on. Habakkuk 2.3. Here's another verse for you. I'm going to read two translations. First, the NIV. For the revelation awaits the appointed time. What does that mean? God's going to show you at the right time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false, though it linger. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. That's in the NIV. Now here's a contemporary English version. I like this translation for this verse. At the time I have decided, my words will come true, the Lord says. You can trust what I say about the future. 
It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. Wait. How many of you have a hard time waiting? I confess. I don't like to wait. I'm really impatient about some things. I get like, it's, it's, it's dumb. It's really dumb. I get sick, and I think it should be over in like 24 hours or less. If it lasts like two days, I'm like, I'm like I should be better by now. Uh, what else? Like, anybody ever tried to lose weight in your life? Ever? Like, I feel like, I, like, like 10 pounds like, should come off in a week. I mean, just unrealistic expectations. Um, it, it, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I, I think that I have a hard time waiting. I think it was Tom Petty that had one of the greatest lines ever, right? <laughs> waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> one of the greatest lines. I heard a pastor say this week, I was watching something online... Actually, it was David Platt from Birmingham, Alabama, that I was watching him. And he translated wait, the word wait, as rest trustfully. I really like that. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? To wait for the Lord to act. To wait for the Lord to move. To rest trustfully. That's really good. I'm going to rest. But I'm going to do it trusting in you, God. I'm going to wait on you, Lord. John Ortberg is one of my favorite writers over the last 20 years or so. says, you can't microwave maturity. <clears throat> Biblical examples, Moses, Joseph, Paul. I think it was Peter, the apostle, that said, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now, people have interpreted that all kinds of ways. Literally, figuratively, all I know is <laughs> that says to me a lot about waiting. <laughs> That God's timetable is not the same as my timetable. And what I think should be over in a day, or what I think should be over in two days, it may take 200 years. I don't... Wait. Wait, rest trustfully. God is working. God is acting. What do you do while you wait? Somebody told me one time, a waiter, when we've used that language before about servers, well, there you go. A waiter serves. What do you do while you wait? I think the best thing we can do while we're waiting on the Lord to act, while we're in a hard place, I think the best thing we can do besides trust or while trusting is to serve other people. People have asked me, Pastor Kyle, what are the churches doing during COVID? How are they doing? I say, well, the amazing thing is, is almost all the churches on the district are doing pretty well. They're hanging in there. They're surviving. But the churches that I see that are doing more than surviving, that are thriving... Are the churches that have said, you know what, we're not just going to make it through this, we're going to serve through this. And the ones that really have life are saying, hey, we've got a food pantry, we can help some people. Hey, we can do some tutoring. Hey, I mean, the ones that somehow are are taking this and, and have life are the ones that are saying, you know what, there's people that are hurting out there and we're hurting too. How can we serve other people? And thank you, because I know there's things you're doing that I don't even know about through the thrift store and other places, but but praise God because I think the best thing we can do while trusting and waiting is to serve in Jesus' name. Well, let me go to one more step about singing in the rain. We're we're talking about these things we can do while we wait. Asking the hard questions, wrestling, looking, listening, waiting. But here is part of praising God in the storm is remembering who God is. And how he's always provided and delivered in the past. Amen? Amen. Chapter 3. Let's look at a couple of verses there. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. 
We're getting close to that singing in the rain part at the end of chapter 3, but he's working his way up there. Verse 2, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Please, Lord, make yourself known. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. How great thou art. You're faithful, God. You're good in spite of the storm. You've done it in the past. You've brought us through. You've healed our bodies. You've helped our marriages. You've you've helped us get through these things. I've seen you do it, Lord. I know you can do it again. Habakkuk remembers and recounts many of the ways that God rescued and delivered his people down through the years. Verses 15 and 16 of chapter 3 say this. Oh, I like this. Lord, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard my... I heard and my heart pounded and my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones. My legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently. He is remembering. He said, I remember, O God, how there was a time when our people, we thought it was over. But you parted the Red Sea. You made a way when there seemed to be no way. God, you've done it in the past for your people. And you can do it again in 2020. You can do it through COVID. You can do it through this tension. God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know, Lord, your character and your love have not changed. Though things around me have changed, Lord, you have not changed. You're the same, God. My trust is in you. Remember, trust, and rejoice. I won't go into detail on this, but I think we can learn a lot about this through the persecuted church. We've got it pretty easy here in the good old USA. Thankful for that. Thankful for freedom. We've got it, we've, we've got it pretty good, right? Materially. We've got it pretty good in a lot of ways. And the stuff we complain about pales in comparison to places across the world that, that have no resources. So man, you talk about Anybody ever been on a mission trip to a place maybe that has a lot less than, than we have here? It changes you. I've been to places and seen people in tents and huts that are praising and rejoicing in God that have so much less than people here. And I've gone back to my church. Here's true confession, Pastor. I've gone back to my church on Sunday morning. And I've seen people complaining about football games. And I've seen people complaining about, you know, stuff we just talk about. And complain about air conditioning. And you've just come back from a mission trip where people have, they got to go miles to get water or something. And you're like, Lord, I'm sorry. You start going, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you've given me so much and I've taken it for granted. I'm sorry. Because the persecuted church has understood this a lot. We're waiting, we're hoping, we're trusting despite the storms. Remember, trust and rejoice. Remember, in these trials, you always have this hope. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is, is from 1 Peter chapter three or chapter 1. I go back to it a lot, where it says, uh, In these troubled times, in these, we always have this hope. And I always remember that, that every one of us goes through these, these hard times. We all got some of these, right? These pains, these aches, these troubles, these relationship problems, these, these struggles. We've all got some of these in these. But, First Peter, he says, but in these, what we know as Christ followers is we always have this in these. What is this? This hope that Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. That, that on a Friday when they put him in the tomb and, and it looked like evil had won, that there was, a, there was a Saturday, right? And they were waiting and it was dark. And then there was a Sunday morning, Right? When life broke in and Jesus walked out of the tomb and we are people of the resurrection. We're not just people of the cross. We are people of the resurrection. 
Because in these, we always have this hope, this resurrection hope. That this and these around us is not all there is. Philippians 4 says it this way, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Well, that's the part I miss in that verse so often. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For years I heard the first part and the last part of that verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Get up, dance and sing, church. Rejoice. Well, I don't feel like it today. Maybe that's how you felt before. Rejoice in the Lord. Or you hear the second part. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, prayer and petition, make your request. Don't be anxious about anything. Are you, really, Paul? Really, anything? Rejoice always. Don't be anxious about anything. I don't know how. I don't know how to get from here to there. That little phrase, I think, is a key that I miss. The Lord is near. And I just jumped right over it for years. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything. How? The Lord is near. Some translations say the Lord is at hand. The Lord is close. Some people will say it refers to his second coming. He's coming again. We don't know when. I think it might even be more than just the second coming, that it might be, he is, he is near, he is at hand. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us now, and he's coming in all his glory to set up his kingdom on earth as it is on, in heaven. Don't get stuck, rejoice. One story before we sing. So one of the places I pastored was, uh, was Gardendale, Alabama, north of Birmingham, and some great people there. I like to tell about heroes of the faith, real life heroes of the faith. So Kathleen Jacks made the best peanut butter fudge I think I've ever eaten. And if you think yours is better, then just let me try it. And, and, and I'll tell you if it's... If you, but she made some great peanut butter fudge. And she was so kind. <clears throat> I just knew her as a, uh, as, you know, a widow... From the time we moved there, I never knew her husband that everybody talked about had died before we got there to be the pastor, Carl. I said Carl was a great man. And um, Miss Jacks was so joyful. She used to stand up and testify. If we ever had, hey, anybody got a good word? She was always, she was like, you know, 75, 80. I just want to praise the Lord for his goodness to me. <clears throat> and uh, I think it was James McConnell that told me the story, Julie. And said, did you know that, I'll never forget that Miss Jacks, um, Carl had just died. Her husband had just, had, hmm. Oh yeah, thank you, yeah. It's so good to have help. Yeah, her, her son, the story about Miss Jacks, her son had, had passed away. Um, they had two boys. And her son had died, tragically. And, uh, and, and, and so they were preparing for his funeral. And the day of her son's funeral, she was getting ready, as they always did with her pattern, she would be up before her husband, and she didn't hear him, and she went to the bed to wake him up, and he had died on the day of the son's funeral. That's, thank you. That's a story. And so, and so <clears throat> um, people are just like, this is unbelievable that her son has died, now the day of his funeral, he's passed away. 
And, uh, sorry, because I know it's not just hokey and fake, because I know Miss Jacks. They said, Miss Jacks, how do you, how do you get through that? And she goes, oh, you know, the Lord has been so faithful. She said, I just, I just have thought back on that and uh, thought how, how wonderful it was that I got to, to, to be there, and I didn't even know it. I got to, I got to be there with Carl while he'd already made the transition. He was already in heaven with Jesus. And I had been there with him. And the thing that she focused on was, it was, it was so, I got to be next to Carl when he went to be with Jesus. And she would testify to God's goodness in the hardest things. And I thought, how do you get, that doesn't even make sense to me. How do you get from my son's gone and my husband's gone to I just want to praise God because I was with Carl and got to be close to him when he went to be with Jesus. Um, we're going to sing here in just a moment uh, a great song that's uh, newer in the last year or so, The Goodness of God, maybe two years. Love this song. Um, I'll probably cry while we sing it. I mean, it's the goodness of God. I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. And uh, you can cry if you want to. You, don't, you can be quiet. You can uh, kneel right where you are while we sing it. You can raise your hands if you want to. You can just, I just want us to celebrate, no matter where we are, the goodness of God. Because we are people who watch. We are people who listen. We are people who wait. We are people who rest trustfully in the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. Let's uh, stand and pray together before we, before we sing. Oh, Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing your hope today in Jesus. Thank you for people like Habakkuk and people like Kathleen Jacks who, uh, who show us that it's okay to wrestle and that we can come out on the other side shining as pure gold because your word tells us that these trials, these fires refine us like pure gold that we can sing in the storm. And Father, I think the world that's around us watching is going to have a better idea of what Jesus is like if we will be honest, but hopeful and faithful. So would you help the people of Gainesville First Church this morning to wait in hope and to serve in love and rejoice in Jesus. We love you today, Lord. We celebrate your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.